find it here i think it's from 2012 what are you looking for the cure documentary that i watched Eh, yeah this is this isn't helping at all i'll just talk about it just call it boys don't cry yeah that's a great name for it (laughs) because uh that's probably the title (laughs) maybe standing on a beach it's called boys do cry oh that's even better because it switches it up yeah, it, it subverts your expectations. Crying boys sitting on a beach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, let's intro it and talk about some movies. What do you I say? I listen to The Cure. <laughs> oh, man. I listened to The Cure all day at work. I wasn't like sad or anything. I just, I don't think of them as a sad band at all. But they can be, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they're as sad as, you know. Say the Smiths or somebody. I was going to say the Smiths. <laughs> uh, when I was at college, uh, my goth friends had the the cut of the forest. Yeah. Uh-huh. They just The bass line goes on for ages. I've never been able to find it. Oh, wow. Like, even the 12-inch version I got, was, you know, it's it just, not the just same. ends with the rest of the instruments. Do you, do you think a, a DJ maybe made a bootleg where they just played, played with it? Could have been. They had, they had yeah. Lots of white label stuff. Yeah. <sighs> All right, listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. First, we talk about Recently Watched, which we try not to spoil too terribly bad. Sometimes they spoil us. <laughs> I feel so spoiled by the wealth of awesome content we get to consume. Uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Amazon or Apple Music where you can buy it digitally or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon Dash Rays. Uh, we are not professional critics. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Good and talk. And Will. Good morning. And some dogs that may wrestle and sound like gremlins, <laughs> but... Uh, Don't feed them. Yeah, we've got a uh, fox terrier mix and a chihuahua who looks like a tiny German shepherd. And sometimes they wrestle. So be warned. And Ziggy's still missing. Ziggy's going to be fine. She's at Hamilton tonight here in Denver. Oh, oh very nice. Her mom, well, her dad went along, but her mom was like, um, you love Hamilton. Hamilton's going to be in Denver on this night. So they made a special trip for Ziggy to come back and see Hamilton and then turn right back around and go to college. What? Wow. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> I took a great... My parents would be like, hey, Hamilton's in town. You love Hamilton. We'll tell you how it was yeah, if they went. Send you a program. <laughs> right. If they went, they're probably like, oh yeah, that show you liked was in town. Playbill. Last week. Yeah. 
Um, I think Bruce Dickinson's in town soon. It, I think it's tonight. A spoken word tour. An evening with Bruce Dickinson. Yes. Can you imagine what that's like? <laughs> Reading his novels. Or talking about flying jumbo jets. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be clear. Um, there is nothing quite like seeing Iron Maiden live in concert. I mean, that is a show. Yeah. And it's, and it's not like they phone it in either. They They show up ready to just in your face, pour it on the whole time, which I wish more bands would do that. Yeah. It's like, uh, jump around a little. I'm not paying you to look at your shoes. Mm. Yeah, I've seen some bands that you, it's like they clocked in backstage. Right. And they're just there to earn their paycheck. They're not dancing around or giving a performance. Right. They're playing all their songs in the order it was on the album. They're getting the hell off the stage. Yeah, I saw uh, it was Pavement and Sonic Youth. Oh. Oh, this is going to be great. They just couldn't be bothered. Yeah, we went and watched Garbage, and they were garbage. <laughs> they were the most lackluster. I've seen bar bands that were more, you know, gave it all. It's all. Uh, oh, yeah. Shirley Manson. I'd and, rather see a small band that's hungry yeah. than, a, mm-hmm. than a big band that's just That's like cruising. If, if I like a band and I get a live album, I always go for one that's earlier in their mm-hmm. gig. You know, their career, because, uh, yeah, they're always better. They're hungry. They want it. Yeah. It's called motivation. You know? So, um, speaking of music, recently watched. My list is short. Let me start it, because I want to talk, <laughs> talk about this. Uh, this is what got us on this to beginning. Boys do cry. Boys do cry. I watched a Cure documentary that I cannot remember the, ma- the name of. Um, it was on Tubi. And there's a title card at the beginning of it that says, um, no music by the cure is used in this documentary and something, it says something else. And I'm thinking, what exactly is going on here? And all of a sudden some rearranged similarity of love cats starts (laughs) (laughs) and they did this to like four different cure songs. Ooh. Yeah. It's like, uh, in between days, the walk love cats, like songs you're familiar with. And they're yeah. they're close, but the, not close. right. Glove rats, yeah, yeah the glove rats. Do 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 do. The notes just do the opposite of what they're supposed to do. <laughs> like, what if you took a song by The Cure and you just went up when they go down and down when they go up? Yeah, same tempo, same instruments. We'll call it the disease. <laughs> right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> The interviews they had in this documentary were all pretty good. I didn't hate them. They were, they had engineers and producers and people like that. Uh, people who were close to the band. They gave some good history about like what up with Robert Smith having been in Susie and the Banshees. He mm-hmm. was one of the Banshees for a couple of years. Couple yeah. years yeah. And it was probably exhaustive for him to drive back and forth. And you get some insider information like, oh, everyone thinks that Robert Smith is this tortured poet who's like sobbing in his attic with all these sheets of paper. And it's like, no, he's more like a footballer, is what they said. Well, you know what he does when he gets back from a tour? No. He picks up his comics he's subscribed to and takes a bath and reads them. Very nice. (laughs) That's how rock and roll he gets. Yeah, so during kind of the heyday of, of that that period where the cure was putting on all the great albums. Uh, apparently like when he just needed a break, he'd go uh, visit a buddy of his and just show up with what the guy said was a crate of different liquor 
and then just start making drinks and drinking them. <laughs> so we would just like put on a soccer game and start drinking drinks and having a laugh. Yeah. Not a sad character, but, uh, anyway, it was, it was worth a watch. And, um, we got a, uh, trial subscription to BritBox. Yeah. And we have BritBox. Yeah. And, th- and this was for the sole purpose of watching Shetland. Yeah. So we watched Shetland. Yeah. That's the original. <laughs> yeah. Scottish ponies. Okay. On the Murder. island solving crimes. Solving crimes. Yes. Murder ponies. Murder ponies. Uh, that's a, see, that's a band name, but not, not a weed strain. Ooh, Mur- I don't know. Murder Pony is a pretty Mur- good yeah. weed strain. Yeah. It'll fuck you up. Yeah, Murder Pony. <laughs> I like that. We were we were smoking some Murder Pony, and I couldn't get off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> One of those islands up off of Scotland is inhabited solely by wallabies. Really? Mm-hmm. That is weird. Yeah, they've introduced wallabies to the UK, and that's one of the places. Wow, I I did not know that. That's crazy. (laughs) I didn't know that until recently. Uh, Wow, Scottish wallabies Mm -hmm. living on some little island, solving crimes. (laughs) Because everybody's murder happy in Scotland. I've learned. Yeah, (laughs) it's worse than uh, that. What was that uh, murder she wrote? That yeah, it's worse uh, than that. Like you'd think that small town in New England or wherever it's supposed to be. Cabot Bay, yeah. something like that. It's like, how many people in this small town are going to get murdered? That's exactly how we feel watching any Pardon My Murder. Yeah. Because you feel like, don't really trust your neighbors because anyone could stab at any time and just murder you <laughs> for some slight that happened 20 years ago, you know? And I'll, and I'll say, I'm good with accents. I really, I can understand them very, very well most of the time. Um, Scottish accent, not as easy. It's Mm-mm. better to just leave the subtitles on. Yeah, Edinburgh I get, but Glasgow is a bit hard for me sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I've gotten pretty good having watched a lot of British television. Mm -hmm. There was a show, uh, Red Riding. Oh, yeah. uh, Which is a really kind of, yeah, yeah, grim, uh, true crime uh, show about uh, the Yorkshire Ripper. Mm. Yeah. when I first watched it, I, I had to bootleg it. He's a little, <laughs> a little yappy ripper. Uh huh. He's tiny. He's, he gets your ankles. <laughs> there are a lot of people with you know holes in their socks. You were expecting that, were you? No, I wasn't. That was a good one. The first time I watched the show, though, there were because I bootlegged it. There were no subtitles. Little top hat. I couldn't understand anybody. <laughs> oh god it was so bad and now i watch him like why did i have problems with that mm. okay um you know i find americans have this misperception that and i'm sorry to say this british person but <laughs> okay <laughs> that british people are very articulate mm-hmm. and uh pronounce everything correctly i find yes. that they're very mush-mouthed <laughs> yes you know, and then, I, I have to speak very politely here. Uh-huh. Yeah. If you think that, that everyone is super proper and polite, uh, listen to my interview with Derek Riggs, the guy oh. who, who did all the Iron Maiden album covers. Yeah. <laughs> you get an idea. He's a great guy, a little rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I'm from the south side of Chicago originally, and, um, you know, I've sanded some of those edges off but i have a tendency to be rough around the edges so i meet someone like that it's not a big deal not at all but yeah most most americans would be like 
but he's from England. Shouldn't he be all <laughs> proper and shit? Yes, yeah, so we either talk like Dick Van Dyke or the Queen, you know. It's... Right. Yeah, there's no in between there. <laughs> and there's not, you know, wide differences between, you know, say South and North mm-hmm. England. Oh, yeah, I you didn't know, go town to town. Or, really or even different. East to West, you know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I watched a couple UFO documentaries that I cannot remember the names of. Boys, don't cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alien boys, don't cry. Grays, don't cry. Grays, don't cry. Oh, that's a great one. Um, all I can say is I didn't feel like I got any new information except, and, and you know, I could probably look up what this one was because it was um, uh, the, Dr. Stephen Greer. Uh he says in this, in the, I think it's from last year, I think it's a 2021 uh, documentary, and he essentially says that uh, uh, Luis Elizondo is a misinformation or disinformation agent. I think hmm. disinformation agent is what he said, because they're two different things. Um, okay, because we're talking about like the Tic Tac video and stuff like that. Uh, and here's a guy who is privy to all of this information and is no longer you know, under threat of whatever and is telling us all the truth or is he? And, um, the worst things that disinformation people can do is tell you a bunch of stuff that is true mixed with with stuff that isn't. And then all of a sudden you've got something that's, I don't know, like if you had some, so would you say this gentleman is, a uh, disinformation agent put up by the government, or would you just say he's a regular huckster making money off the rubes? Hmm. If I had to choose between the two, I'd say huckster making money off rubes. Yeah, because that's almost always my choice. (laughs) But sometimes you run into those situations where it's like, but they have no reason to lie. Well, Making money. Yeah, get their name on tv or whatever well yeah i have a nephew who has no reason to lie but he lies all the time <clears throat> yeah i was just gonna say i i know some people who you know you'd ask them what they did last night and they'd make up a lie even though it didn't the truth matter the truth would be more interesting and easier uh, yeah it didn't even matter and they were like i i, uh, I went to the movies you're like well what'd you see uh uh <laughs> so what the, my, my neighbor used to make up movie plots yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a regular thing on Jimmy Kimmel where they'll go down the street and they'll ask people about what happened on the Olympics or or whatever was going on that week, and people just make up stuff because they're on camera. Yeah. Uh, my friend said that uh, that is a real problem in Mexico City, uh, asking people for directions because they want to be helpful. Oh. But they might not know where you, yes. you need to go, so they will just send you somewhere. Yeah, that varies in England. Hoping yeah. you will. Meet someone else who actually knows where right. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, just a, you know. Yeah, depending where where you are in England, <clears throat> people will say something just to say something. Or, yeah. Or they'll say, I don't know. It's, they, yeah, he's like, they will never tell you, <clears throat> oh, I don't know. Let's find out for you. It, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, you go up the road two miles here. Take a ride at that light. You know, go by the big red barn. Uh <laughs> And then you're lost, and you're looking for someone else to help you out. They're like, no, you go back that way. <laughs> you can't get there from here. <clears throat> yeah. That's really all I had. Um, do either one of you have uh, anything interesting? Yeah, I watched uh, a couple South Parks. They're pretty good. Um, finished up uh, Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. Um, 
It's good. I like it. Mm. I'm hoping they get a second season. Um, Watch the... uh, I think I have two episodes left of The Righteous Gemstones. Eh, not as good as the first season. It feels a little disorganized What's or that a little one separate. It's about an evangelical family that runs a mega church in South Carolina, I believe. North Carolina. One of the Carolinas. And they uh they're they're not good people. It's uh uh tied with the uh, Halloween kills actually. Uh uh Oh man, his name just went out of my head. Um Anthony Michael Hall? Uh, no, uh, Eastbound and Down. Oh, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Yeah, yeah that's oh, who's damn. behind it. So Danny McBride, um, John Goodman, Adam Devine, and uh, I can't remember who plays the sister, but she's probably my favorite character next to Walton Goggins' Uncle Bob, uh, Uncle Baby Billy. Yeah. Freeman, who is a 70-year-old uh, kind of uh, revivalist preacher. He had a hit kind of novelty Christian song when he was a child and has been milking that mm. fame ever since. Um, he's fantastic. He's such an awful reprehensible character and everybody on the show is um i watched uh the black cat from 1934 because so perverse some reason yeah it came up i think you had mentioned it or you mentioned it to uh ziggy and it came up on something i watched something and that was like suggested and i was like oh and i watched it and i hadn't seen that picture that clear Mm. It looks really good. Yeah, I, that, that's a Criterion, um, isn't it? I think it must be. It's really the, cleaned the up. Black it's, Cat, they, it's the uh, Universal that they've been doing uh, Blu-ray re-releases. Yeah. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. They got you know, through four volumes of the of like odd, like uh, four movies mm-hmm. in a set, and it, one of them was, had the Black Cat in it. I'm thinking of cat people because yes. I watched it so long ago and I just got it back right, to you. Yeah, yeah, that's Criterion. Yeah, that one was Criterion. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, no. My bad. Uh, anyway, it looks great because, I don't know, the last time I saw it, it was on VHS and it looked, you know, pretty muddy. Pretty and... muddy. And I remember the soundtrack being pretty... Warbly. Warbly. Uh, <laughs> and now you can actually hear the music mm. through it. It's not all hisses and warbles. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of the first movies that put music in through the whole thing, so rather than just having dead air. Yeah. Like, say, Dracula or something. Yeah, King Kong yeah it is a perverse it, yeah. movie. It's right. great. <laughs> it's so sadistic. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... Here's the uh, centenary of Nosferatu last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. right. 16th 19th of Feb. Wow. Yeah, 1922. Through yeah. 2022. Yeah. Damn. Very nice. That's crazy, wow. isn't it? Yeah. To watch that again. I wish Dave Eggers was still doing that. He no, still I plans mean, uh, to, I think. Yeah. He's doing the Viking movie. Robert That's his next one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It looks intense. Yes. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of Vikings, but I'm a oh, big uh, fan I of Robert I love the Vikings. Eggers. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I mean the 
you know, one of the big tours of museums at, at the time, there's like the Tutankhamun thing and the, mm-hmm. the Vikings one was big. You know, they set up a Viking ship, ship out, outside the museum. Oh, wow. London. Yeah, I've got. Oh, I've got, I imagine I've that still was got awesome. all my books from when I was a kid of Vikings. Oh. I mean, because they, they were like invading and fighting. All, oh, yeah. all the time. There's so many places named after Vikings. Mm-hmm. You know, like York. Yeah. Uh, as in your New York is, is uh, a Viking <laughs> settlement. Yorkshire Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> oh, little cutie. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, if, yeah, if you go up to York, there's the uh, one of those. Um, Dungeons there where they have the waxworks of a, a, atrocities of the past. Oh my so god! They have uh, one one exhibit is like what Vikings did to the Christians, and one is what Christians did, did to, to the Vikings. Vikings. Oh man! Uh, Take that, Vikings! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, I um, know. I went to a wax museum when I was about ten. There was one of Ripley's Believe It or Not in oh. Las Vegas, and the torture chamber freaked me out i thought i'd be all into it but it was a little too much (laughs) yeah my parents were had just disappeared at some point and i was all alone in there and it was like i gotta get the hell out of here Mm. you know the one thing the vikings gave the the gift that keeps on giving red hair to different cultures (laughs) yes people are like so irish people have red hair yeah thanks (laughs) thanks vikings (laughs) Your Thor's a redhead. Yeah, he was. There you go. And kind of dumb <laughs> in those maths. <laughs> yeah, he's always getting tricked easily, isn't he? Very easily. You're like, mm, Loki's a trickster, but it doesn't seem like it's very <laughs> not, hard. Not that hard a job. <laughs> you know, we'll be talking about Eric Red later. I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to bring up Eric Red as the writer of The Hitcher. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Middle name that? The. Yes. Discovers Greenland and writes The Hitcher. Yeah, wow. He was real forward thinking because, you know, The Hitcher took place on boats originally. Yeah. Yes. There's his thumb sticking out of the water like the Lady of the Lake. <laughs> All right. What else we got for Recently Watched? Um, I think that's it other than tonight's movies. Cool. I'm sure I watched other things, but. <clears throat> yeah. You know, uh. I watched a, a video on uh, uh, Near Dark. So oh, yeah. I was like, uh, I watched Red Letter Media, and I was like, oh, they're a few years behind us <laughs> talking about Near Dark. And you know Eric Red wrote that. Yes. Well. So, yeah. Nice tie-in. Well, that's cool. He's going to find Valhalla. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> uh, was that it? I think so. Jolien, what about you? Uh, I watched the uh, trailer for Nope six times so far. <laughs> oh, I need to watch that. <laughs> Love it. Love it. We'll watch it after we're done recording. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see. I've finished watching uh, another Japanese superhero series. Excellent. <laughs> this one was called Kage Star, which is uh, Shadow Star. Uh, so he's got shadow and stars and stripes motif going for some reason. I don't know. Huh. Um, so this is aimed at uh, younger kids, so it's less bloody than like, other ones I've seen, like uh, um, in Azaman. Uh, but there's plenty of sharp objects in the eye. You know, this is a oh. Japanese kids show, so yeah, yeah. Uh, eye trauma is still in there. Uh, one of the early episodes, this teacher and and her kids get kidnapped in front of a nun, and they get taken to the uh, torture chamber of the bad guys, and they uh, so the kids are stuck in this 
cell and they're like watching through the bars as their teacher gets flash frozen and then crushed to bits in this giant vice. <laughs> wow. Jason X. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is back in the 77-ish. Oh, okay. So Jason X stole that. Oh, yes, okay. definitely. They all, they all watch Japanese superhero shows, I'm sure. Yeah, most people have. Um, in the penultimate episode, this budgie monster man <laughs> infects the medical staff and teachers with this mad disease. So they go around infecting other people by biting them or sticking them with syringes. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it's great. It's classic kinder trauma. Um, so it's kind of like rabid for kids. Oh, Nice. <laughs> um, anyway, so that was fun. Uh, and then I watched the new uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. Oh, boy. Have you seen that one? No. No, not yet. Uh, I enjoyed it. Good. Uh, like uh, the previous one, Leatherface, it was filmed in Bulgaria. Okay. Um, because we can't afford Texas? <laughs> yeah. You don't uh, want to film in Texas. No. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you, would you go film in a repressive third world country or go to Bulgaria? <laughs> <laughs> Which those are your two choices. Um, so this is directed by David Blue Garcia, who is the uh, director of photography on Bloodfest, and he directed uh, Tejano. Uh, soundtrack by Colin Stetson. Hmm. Um, first third. I was watching, I thought, oh, good update story, um, but it's not very impactful in the horror stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, the setup is there's this ghost town which these influencers have bought up. So this Generation Z uh, kids have uh, bought up and they're going to turn it into a bunch of boutiques, comic yes. shop, art gallery, etc. Seven hours drive from anywhere else. Yeah. Um, so there's like this uh, small team that goes in first and then they're, they're trying to tear down all the old Confederate flags and stuff like that. Although no one mentions the statue that's right down the end of the street. I'm, I'm sure that's a bit dodgy. But anyway, um, uh, then they're going to be followed shortly by this like coach load of people who are going to bid on all the buildings. Okay. Time, right? when, they, when, the, uh, when the first people get to the town... They find that one house is still occupied. There's this old lady there, played by Alice Krieg, and uh, she's uh, she's got like an oxygen thing, and but she says she's still got the deeds to the place, and they can't chuck her out. But they say, no, we own this town, and then she has a heart attack, <coughs> uh-huh. so she gets carted away, and she she dies of a you know, she she has a heart failure on the way, uh-huh. and uh, but she's she's been caring for her big hulking son. Mm. Uh, and uh, so he's riding along with her and then um, so she dies he gets it he loves it a little kills this uh, deputy who's played by uh, someone named Jolion oh wow <laughs> uh, very brutally I was I was very very pleased and uh, <laughs> he wasn't making yacht furniture he was and, murdering and then heads back into town as the rest of the influencers arrive uh, and uh, it gets extremely splattery. Uh, oh, so, the, like man. Uh, the second, third uh, kills pick up, and I thought, oh, this is probably the best Texas Chainsaw sequel since two. Um, wow. The third, uh, the last third of it, uh, there's this major character um, who's uh, I mean, it's Sally Hardesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes back into town to 
to finish off Leatherface. She's basically uh, Laurie Strode. Um, she swallows a stupid pill that, uh, to, to in order for the climax of the movie to happen. It's like, oh no, and the, <laughs> but um, it gets uh, it gets much sillier in the last third. There's this like jokes in it which are pretty funny, but uh, where um, Leatherface is taking on Generation Z and. Uh, uh, it, it's pretty funny, but it's like, all right, we're going to just go really ridiculous in the last bit of it. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'll have to check it out. Uh, the sheriff is played by William Hope from Aliens. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, check it out. It's just on Netflix. What the hell? Yeah, why not? Sounds good. I like the uh, influencer buying the town plot line. That sounds good yeah. and, and kind of new <laughs> and different. Yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the usual theme of like the the rural working class, uh huh, versus the versus the city uh, kids. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, watched uh, Owanga from nineteen thirty five, uh, aka Drums of the Jungle, ju- Drums in the Jungle, or Love Wanga. <laughs> uh, this is one of the very first black horror movies. Um, this is uh is um mostly british canadian crew working on it um but uh i think it was filmed in jamaica um first black and white kiss in hollywood wow as far as i know w- although the guy is in blackface oh um had a limited release in the uk only and, uh, and then had an even more limited release in 1942 in New York City. Um, and it's, it's, all, it's all about white fears and hidden history um, in voodoo. Um, gives um, Freddie Washington some agency and sexuality and power versus the colonialists and Christianity. So, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, Sorry, I'm turning into my feral state. <laughs> yeah, I saw the moon was out. <laughs> It'll pass. Just... <clears throat> I'm glad I warned the listeners at the top of the show. Um, so the director and screenwriter is George Terwilliger. Uh, there's a, the white lovers are named Adam and Eve. Of course so there's, there's a There's a subtle allegory going on. Uh, two zombies carry off Eve so this is an early zombie movie as well wow Uh, the zombies can be killed off by a silver bullet or uh, as is accurate to zombie lore as far as I know is is like if you make them taste salt Mm. they're reminded that they're dead and they go back to their grave Uh, so that's in there too Um, Adam the the white guy is able to order the zombies about by sheer force of will because mm. he's a colonialist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it is interesting. Uh, this is, um, this is referred to at the time as a Guna Guna movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, there's this 1932 French film, um, where uh, Guna Guna was this aphrodisiac smoke okay. that people would take. Um, so uh, 
after that, any movie that featured black nudity was referred to a, as a Guna Guna movie. Okay. And as seen in National Geographic magazines and so on, um, black women could be shown topless, but white women couldn't. Yeah. It was a double standard because they were regarded as being less than, you know, uh, you know, full, full on humans. Yeah. As per the, you know, the the slave laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could get away with it more. So they were called Gunagumina movies. Afforded any dignity. Yeah. You must choose death or Gunaguna. <laughs> <laughs> um, then I watched uh, the 1939 movie called Pocomania, a.k.a. The Devil's Daughter, um, directed by Arthur Leonard. This is the second version of Wanga, but uh, this one has an all-black cast. Uh, it was also filmed in Jamaica. Same scriptwriter, uh, George Teluiga. Um, it starts off with an actual cockfight, so be warned. Uh, there's a there's a song about the Pokemon. The Pokemon was this um, kind of obeyer character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nina May McKinney plays this priestess named Isabel. Um, she's trying to take revenge on her stepsister, uh, who has a who has inherited this uh, father's estate in Jamaica. Um, the acting is re- either really horribly stiff or so over the top <laughs> comedy stuff. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of extremes. Um, there's no zombies in it, but there's this woman who's put in a trance. Uh, Ella, I walked with a zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of walks back on the supernatural stuff at the end, as, as was usual with uh, horror movies under the code. Mm. at the time so um, they make you afraid of it they they expose you to it then they tell you well, it's not actually what happened yeah it's fake yeah um, there's, a, there's a character named Elvira in it though wow that's pretty cool and then I watched uh, Halloween Kills oh yeah and apparently well, you watched that too I too watched Halloween Kills um, before we get into that I, I have to mention if you have not watched this yet this is the one I forgot and I'm just going to throw it out there real quick um, Django and Django is on Netflix and this is Quentin Tarantino's love letter to spaghetti Westerns for lack of a better term. Um, if you recall in once upon a time in Hollywood, his character, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, Ray, was it Ray or Roy, um, goes to meet with a director. It was Ray, um, uh, Sergio Carbucci, Cor- yeah. Corbucci, um, and it's about how they have this really funny misunderstanding and uh, and uh, Ray accidentally insults his movies. But then it, it's, it's OK because, oh, you saw the American language version of it. Well, you know, it's not it's not as good, you know, mm. the English language version. And um, so Tarantino kind of as you're not going to be surprised to find out is a giant Italian cinema nerd. (laughs) And this is a whole documentary about these directors and what they were doing and why they were doing it and why they were so in love with Westerns of the American sort that they were making uh, in Spain with an Italian spaghetti uh, Westerns, spaghetti Westerns as they were called. Um, But uh, this one is, is really something for you. If you want to know more about it, and want to, and you want to get a list of what to watch, 
Tarantino's going to give you a nice list by saying, oh, but then this movie, you know, <laughs> you know, and of course you get that, that delicious delivery that Tarantino does on everything, you know, the way he's like tripping over himself to tell you the super exciting thing, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's got the excitement level of a 15 year old, like right. he always will apparently. Uh, yeah, this is great. It's totally worth watching. Have you seen the original Django? I have not. <gasps> and this is the thing. You know, uh, this is why we... I'll lend it to you. Okay, cool. Uh, This one is an hour and 20 minutes. um, So well well within the Barnes limit. Um, You got to see it. Uh, Yeah, I was going to watch Nightmare Alley, but it's two and a half hours long. Oh, Mm. man, who's got that kind of What hour do I miss? (laughs) (laughs) Do I cut out the end, the middle, the beginning? Probably the middle. You know, do I just ride the fast forward button when I can? Yeah. So enough about that one. because Sounds I, good. I'm, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, you should. Um, so Halloween Kills. I, I had uh, bought the DVD slash Blu-ray slash digital package. Uh, I gave the digital code to Ziggy so she could enjoy it because um, she legit loves this movie. Um, she loves this one? Yeah, huh. I think. Okay. Sorry, Ziggy. Yeah. Um, so uh, – Jolien's got the bigger television, so I sent the Blu-ray with him and Will, the DVD. Oh, I could hardly stand at the lack of definition. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what ruined it for you. It really did. I was like, these blacks are all crushed. Yeah. (laughs) That's not a race thing. That's a a tonality we're talking about. Yeah, I know. Contrasty. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, he did kill some black people, didn't he? He did. He did. (sighs) Can we ever get it right? He's an equal opportunity killer, though. That's, yeah, this is true. true. He, he kills anyone anytime. Um, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Unintentionally hilarious, I think. He's... Unintentionally hilarious at points. <clears throat> um, specifically the hospital scenes when they uh, they start all chanting, evil must die tonight, but then <laughs> proceed to push one another down the stairs. Yeah. Uh, chasing a man who clearly is not Michael Myers. And who they saw on tv at that's the bar. what got me yeah. yes because then uh anthony yeah. michael hall's like how do we know it's him You're like, you just saw him you fool <laughs> and he looks like danny devito you know you the, you, they showed michael myers they didn't show him to us but the people in the movie saw it on the tv they blurred it out for us but they said it was michael myers it got his face right there he was in prison for 40 years doing nothing Staring at the wall, staring beyond the wall, looking at this very night. <laughs> oh. Yes. Just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When, once they said something like, it all happened in 1963, you're like, mm, quick math. That'd make him about 65 yes. years old. Not so scary at 65. No. no I think I could push him over. <laughs> Probably. I mean, there's some scary 65-year-olds. Hey, I met... Dick Warlock, uh, who played Michael Myers, and he was a fairly old dude, and I would not have tangled with that guy. Yeah, you know, there's some, yeah, there's some uh, old people that still got it, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to fuck with Evil Knievel when I met him, and he was he was weak and old and frail looking, but you look like my dad used to say, "I got one good one left." Yeah, <laughs> and you know, Evil Knievel doesn't fear death. No, he does not. He like did not. It, what's that movie? Was it Don't Breathe about the blind guy in Seattle? In, uh, yeah, in the house. Detroit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, because they, they set him up as being a threat. 
Yeah. Because he's he's in he's got the intent to kill. He knows how. Uh, and yeah, you, these kids are in trouble. But have you seen the the preview for the sequel to that? No. Oh my god, they've made that character into a hero now. Oh dear. What's it called? Keep don't breathing. Yeah, keep don't breathing too. <laughs> don't not breathe. <laughs> Uh, the breathing. <laughs> right. Uh, they should just call it Breathless. Breathless. That's a great name for a movie. Huh. Two. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. In that movie, you found out he was a disgusting pervert who had someone locked up in his basement. Yes. In this, he has a little girl and he's protecting her and oh. he's uh, up against some bad people who've broken into the house to <clears> rob <throat> him. It's, That's his story. Yeah. Ooh, it looks bad. Damn. So, what else about Halloween Kills? Was, uh, was, was, my notes, two pages. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Well, let's say there were no real characters in this. No? The whole thing felt like it was filler, waiting for the next movie. Yes. I, I, I thought it was Halloween Kills time. That's exactly what I said, too. Well, Halloween killed my afternoon. Yes. Cause, uh, so, ooh. this was a big post-it note that somebody put that said, make Halloween movie. Yeah, they were like step one, Halloween two, three, three or whatever. Yeah. Uh, step two, question mark. Step three, profit. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just a place filler. The post, you know, Halloween kills. Yeah. Drop story here. And then they didn't have anything for anyone to do. So they just spun their wheels for an hour and a half. Damn. Yeah. Setting up Michael and Lori's confrontation laurie strode did nothing in this movie granted she had been stabbed in the last movie but didn't is, slow her down much is the granddaughter's name bonnie allison oh i was trying to remember was there and something karen was the daughter oh that's a terrible choice yeah these days anyway i was trying to remember if there was a reason why the bonnie and clyde inversion was so funny but I guess that wasn't anything. Hmm, I don't remember any Bonnie. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure there was, but who knows? Uh, yeah, so you follow these characters around who, again, um, as the 2018 Halloween 2.3 pointed out, when he murdered like three people 40 years ago, fuck does anyone care? I'm not scared of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Somebody murdered three people last night in this town, I'm sure. <laughs> Why are we worried about Michael Myers after 40 years? He's been in prison. Yeah, come at me, old man. Um, A lot of characters just seem to be there to, you know, get killed. We didn't learn anything about them other well, than... They were in the first movie. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, or, you know, oh, a couple has a little drone. They're fighting over whether or not they should... Eat cheese. I like the Johns. Yeah. I was hanging out with the Johns. They're going to play us some old Halloween yeah. records and drink cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked them. They were okay. Uh, was it distracting that the one guy, Michael McDonald, was from... Uh, Mad TV. Mad TV and not the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of hard to to miss yeah i was kind of hoping danny mcbride was playing the other role that would have been great you know um uh big yeah. john and little john neither one of them was especially big or little 
<laughs> it looked like uh, Big John was shorter than Little John. Maybe that was the joke. I think that was the joke. Like calling a bald guy curly. Uh-huh, exactly. A fat guy slim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Shall I start going through my yes. notes? Yes, please, Just please. Jump, jump in. I jump will. In. Uh, this went off... I'm writing these as I'm watching it. This went off the rails before the main titles. Starts off in 1978. Looked good. Yeah. Um, I thought, all right, we're going to be honest now. Instead of dissing all the sequels... We're gonna, oh, we're just gonna do like our nostalgic Halloween movie. Yes. Uh, be honest, um, and uh, and and just accept that we're a footnote to the original. All right, I could enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, the uh, there was this weird change of film. I don't know if you were seeing seeing this on your copy, but, <laughs> because it was, it was so bad. But, yeah. Um, there's a point at which the, the cops go into the Myers house and it suddenly seemed to change. It, it was like it was going from film stock to digital. It was this really flat. I don't know if it was because they were shooting with low light or, or whatever. Yeah. It looked, it looked crap all of a sudden. The fake film filter wasn't working Yeah, in low light. Um, but I, I think that I, may be. I noticed it because the, like the, the first few scenes that are out, that are out in the streets of Haddonfield look really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, then this Dick Van Dyke Loomis shows up and he's, he's a reasonable lookalike. Oh yeah. But his voice was like distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael. <laughs> yeah. To just use like clip, you just, clips that were yeah. cut from the first one or something. Exactly. He, he was in like five of those Halloween movies. There's gotta be enough. And he was in a zillion movies. Otherwise you'd yeah. probably find something. Um, then we get, we start getting the verbal recaps of the original, and we get verbal recaps over and over and over, not just of the 1978 one, but also of the previous, the 2018 Halloween, and the movie we're watching. We get people talking about scenes that we've already seen. <laughs> um, I, I realised like the, you know, in the, in the in the previous one there was, they had this like theme of PTSD. Yeah. And uh, they don't articulate it well. And you have the, the Laurie Strode character who's like still freaked out about these things, you know, which is realistic. Sure. Um, but in this movie, it's just done through people talking about what happened in the previous movies and the movie that we're watching. Yeah. It's, it's boring. It's bad screenwriting. Um, I saw uh, Fun House and Not the Living Dead on the TV. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Good old Night of the Living Dead, always a good standby for free oh, yeah. TV clips. Uh, you get the the scene where the um, the people dressed as a, a doctor and nurse who turn out to be a nurse and a doctor. A nurse and a doctor. <laughs> He's he having been told that there's this maniac at large. They leave the bar by themselves. Then he leaves her at the car to go back for his stethoscope. His stethoscope. Yeah. At this point, I laughed out loud at this stupid movie. Um, Ziggy, you should take note of this because you want to be a screenwriter. This is not not good. This is a to don't list. Um, how many times does a team of amateur shape hunters find him, then split up, and then all get killed? How many times? Uh, three, four times. <laughs> yeah. 
who is the who is the character we're following in this movie that's what got me was there's no character we're following no it's just people we we happen upon um that worked in you know um slacker which is just what i was gonna say that worked in slacker because that's what that movie's about yeah, or the Richard Linklater film, where it's just the camera goes, oh, I'm following this guy now. Uh-huh, yeah, you know, and we learn about Madonna's uh, pap smear for sale, you know, and delightful things like that. Um, I love that movie so much, yeah. but... <laughs> I mean, it works in, like, uh, Tampopo and films like that, where yeah. you just wander off with a character, but there's a whole story. Mm-hmm. And then you and then you wander off with another character. It's not like this one, where you find another character, and, oh, well, the movie's going to be about this character, then they're killed. And yeah, then and then that, to, and then it moves on to someone else. And then it goes on to a very similar scene. Um, so that they're all killed, or they're in a hospital bed doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Some of the kills were pretty dumb too, especially the doctor nurse who shot herself. <laughs> she gets hit by a car door, flips back like it looks like a Desert Eagle. I'm not, yeah. I'm not good at pistols, but that's a it's big a gun. big gun. Whatever you need it was, a lot of pull on that trigger. You can't just flip it around and pull it backwards. <laughs> Come on. Um, what? Oh, why does the bracket the character say um, everyone's entitled to one good scare? It makes no sense in the context of this mm-hmm. film. We're just playing it's the just hits. It's just a quote from the old one. We're playing the hits from yeah. from a trilogy that says it's not being cute about references. It does it all the time. Oh, I yeah. all the time. I still have my nephew Johnny's list of the fan service. Of right Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah, from Halloween 2018. Yeah. I bet you it's not as long on this one, but pretty long. Oh, I don't know. It's pretty bad. So we have a uh, we have various theories about what the shape is up to in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's moving in a straight line down a street towards his home. Or he's going to the hospital to find his sister, uh, which is from Halloween 2, the first Halloween 2. Or he's... Uh, Taking a stroll. Yeah, so they're not finding him, even though he's moving in a straight line down the street, killing people. Yeah. Um, He's apparently transcending more every time he kills. First off, how do you transcend more? You transcend or you don't. You don't transcend more. Uh, Is he Pac-Man? I'm a little more enlightened now. Is he Pac-Man? Is he, every time he kills someone, it's like an energy pill? That's exactly what it is. Um. Yeah, because, and then Lori says something like, we're connected. How does she know that? No. You know, and she didn't just mean like, he's coming for me. She meant like there's some sort, or I took it to mean some sort of psychic or spiritual connection there. Like, how does she know that? Yeah, the previous one played it as he was a human being. Now he's not. Yeah, yeah. In the course of hours. Um, Why does the mob chase down a a schlub at the hospital when the same guy was identified on TV at the bar by the ringleaders of the mob. Yeah, that's the one that got me. Um, I think the, the director's a decent director, but he's, he's a TV director. Yeah. Uh, the camera placement was clumsy, especially when they do gags like jokes. Mm-hmm. It's off. It doesn't doesn't land. Uh, there's there's nothing scary in this movie for a film that claims to be about fear turning people into monsters. No, there's not one decent scare in it. Um, why is everyone, including the medical staff from the hospital, in a blood frenzy to kill the shape? Uh, they all seem up to date on events. 
which have happened over the last couple of hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this night seems to be a really long night, mm-hmm. given it's the same night as in the previous movie. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like that. It would have benefited <clears throat> from being set one year later. Yeah, exactly. That's what you know. Her house burns down, but Michael's gone. They yeah. never found his body. Now it's Halloween 2019. I'm, this must be set in Finland because it's still dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ending turns into a music montage with lots of kills um, and uh, involving a mob which could just run away. They seem to be lining up to be mown down. Yeah, that got me too. They were just like they, like uh, bad guys in a, in a martial arts film. They just lined up one at a time to get dispatched by Michael. I'm next. Uh, and then there's sound, sound bites laid over it. Um, and it, it just seemed like a trailer for itself. This is a movie eating itself in front of your eyes. You know, yeah. what we should try is is uh, laying uh, Hall and Oates. You make my dreams come true over that <laughs> killing montage. <laughs> yeah, I felt like <clears throat> it was, <clears throat> like I said, just a, a space filler for for the movie. I felt like it got to the end. He killed Karen, and I was like, "This is halfway through the movie." You know, it's kind of like when we watched The Hobbit. And the first movie, my wife didn't realize they had split it up into three. And she Mm. went, that's it? That's all we're going to get? No, I'm done. I'm out. But uh, I like the soundtrack. Well, Well, John Carpenter. The Carpenters. Yeah, you know. um, I don't want them to not make Halloween movies, but I I want them to write better better Halloween movies. Better Halloween movies. I don't see how you couldn't not write a better movie than this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, give it to some film students. Oh, I bet they'd come up with some crazy shit. You know, give it to somebody who doesn't have any real fondness of Halloween and see what they can do with it. Someone who's not attached to it. Maybe, I don't mean, you know, somebody like, God, I hate Halloween. No, just no no sentimental. I don't have any real sentimental values. It's a good movie, you know? Yeah. Sure. I'll take it on. Um, you know, uh, write some characters that we follow. That's the main thing. Didn't we find out that Fifty Shades of Grey was just uh, a tw- fan Twilight fan fiction? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is there any reason that somebody couldn't go find where all the Halloween fan fiction is and just like <laughs> say, well, here's a bunch of bits that are better, you know? We cut out all the Loomis Myers, Michael Myers slash bits. So yeah, <laughs> it's not a real long script anymore, <laughs> but it's really sexy. <laughs> yeah. Sexy Dr. Loomis. We had to cut out all the Sonic stuff too. Cause that didn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, I spanked him six times. <laughs> <sighs> Okay. Well, although the episode is supposedly about the Hitcher, we we did <laughs> oh, yeah. we did cover some Halloween kills. Um, let's let's get into the Hitcher. Uh, okay. This is a this is a movie that uh, I would say, if listeners discovered the the uh, the remake first, please backtrack and watch this instead. <laughs> Uh, there is no reason that you would watch that instead of this because, uh, oh, there was a, um, a weird 
misguided sequel. Um, I haven't watched it, but I know it's misguided because it's a sequel. And it's called The Hitcher 2, I've Been Waiting. That was in 2003. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I'm not finding on here when the remake was, but it was like 2009, 2012, something like that. it was that. 2009. Yeah, it was one of those Platinum Dune. Uh, yeah, the same year that they did uh, Friday the 13th and shouldn't have. Um, I'll just read the burb. <laughs> I'll just read the blurb here real quick. Uh, the Hitcher is a 1986 American road thriller film directed by Robert Harmon and written by Eric Red. It stars Rutger Hauer as the title character, a murderous hitchhiker who stalks a young motorist, C. Thomas Howell, across the highways of West Texas. Jeffrey DeMunn and Jennifer Jason Lee appear in supporting roles. Released in the United States on February 21st, 1986, the film was initially met with tepid critical and commercial response, grossing $5.8 million on a $7.9 million budget. This is screwing me, but I hated it. Yeah, this is funny. Like, that they hated this so bad. I bet you if they did... You remember we did a... I was just telling a friend recently how we did Rewatch Redemption. Uh-huh. And maybe went back on some of our episodes where we didn't like something and then talked about it again. I wonder if Siskel and Ebert could... They talked about it on their own show. Did they? And Siskel said, if you like this, you're subhuman. And then they <laughs> wow. went on Letterman again a while later and talked about it again and said it was sick and incredibly gory and nasty. Really? Okay. Um, not that I really ever valued their opinions that much, but what the fuck, you guys? What's, there must have been something more bothering them about this. Oh, 2007 remake. I just found that. Um Okay, now, this movie, I saw this, um, and I know where I was and what I was doing when I, when I saw this because of the, when it was released, um, because I remember I threw a big party, uh, like, almost exactly one month later, not in regards to this movie, but because I, oh, okay. I, had, I had a house where I could have a big party, and uh, that was March uh, 22nd, uh, 86, so this was... February 21st of 86. So oh, I, so, okay. Yeah, so I know right where I was and who my roommates were and what we were what we were drinking and what we were listening to. You had a hitcher party and you oh. were listening to The <clears throat> Cure. Oh, man. We were probably listening to more Judas Priest back then, but I don't know. <laughs> oingo Boingo. It was all Oingo Boingo and Judas Priest. Okay, yeah. Oh, a winning combination. That couldn't be more different. Right. And, you know, that's... Your, your tastes can vary. Now, um, after this finally uh, hit either home rental or HBO, I ended up dubbing a copy of it. And everywhere everywhere I lived with roommates, it's like, eh, everyone's bored. They want to watch a movie. I'm like, oh, let's watch The Hitcher. <laughs> I would pop in The Hitcher. Yeah. And that was a thing. So this movie has been with me a long time. Um, so having said that, don't know for sure that I saw this in, in the movie theater or if I saw this um, months later when it was released, like I said, to HBO or home video. But I can say I recognized right away that this was another great performance by Rutger Hauer because I loved him in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my experience with it. How about you guys? Well, when did you first see this? Uh, sometime on video. Yeah. Early on, 87 probably. Yeah. Probably a year after it came out. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I remember renting it. 
um, watched it a few times, but I hadn't seen it in 20 plus years. So, And you were no fan of Blade Runner. No, no fan of Blade Runner. So, Were you at least appreciative of Rutger Hauer's performance in Blade Runner or was it just a whole package you just couldn't stomach it? Uh, yeah, Blade Runner is one of those where it's uh, it's got a lot of good parts, but it never comes together for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like the look. Yes. I like the idea. I like the actors. But it just never quite reaches the finish line for me. It just, something about it, it just, it's too surface for me. It doesn't ever feel like it really goes into that world. It's just almost like a music video or something. You know, you could play it silent and I'd get just about as much out of it as I got from from the story or you could play it with wish you were here over the top of it there you oh. go i don't know if you're familiar with wish you were here blade runner but it's a thing <laughs> is okay. it like a dark, side, dark of oz? side of oz yep yep yeah yeah it's a thing it's totally a thing i haven't done it but i i've read enough about it and have i have you have you tried the wall the wall no it matches oh. up wow <laughs> that's a great idea <laughs> that's really good no i'm just kidding um <laughs> yeah yeah i i, I saw Blade Runner, I think it was the first Rutger Hauer film I saw, and then yeah, I saw probably his, his early Verhoeven films. Mm. Yeah, I need to see some more of his early Verhoeven. Yeah, I'm waiting for the nun exploitation. Oh yes, so. Bernadetta. Yeah, I saw a poster of it. I haven't seen any trailers. Oh, check out the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Now it's kind of remarkable that it ended up being Rutger Hauer in the lead role of this because. Um, in the early drafts of the script, John Ryder was described as being skeletal. Uh, and uh, actors like, believe it or not, Sting, David Bowie, Sam Shepard, Harry Dean Stanton, and Terrence Stamp were considered. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Harry Dean Stamp. Uh, that would have been really something different. Um, but there is something about the presence of Rutger Hauer because he is built well enough to where he, he looks like he could overpower you. Mm-hmm. Not not to say a wiry guy couldn't, but, you know, if you're looking at Harry Dean Stanton next to Rutger Hauer, I would mm-hmm. say, eh, I don't want to tangle with either one of them for different reasons, but this this blonde guy looks like he's, you know, going to be able to knock you down. Yeah. Um, this one um, started out where, uh, you know, there there was a, an idea for a movie and... Uh, one of the one of the studios was interested and then changed their mind and it ended up uh, this is a whole a whole thing but it ended up being a uh, TriStar and then HBO kind of a uh, release yeah and that's why HBO was able to run it soon after its cinema cinematic release and yeah. first, that may have been where I saw it I don't remember I think it hit HBO pretty quickly yeah and, probably and I had friends with cable so I'm sure that's where I saw it yeah but I know I didn't have cable but yeah same thing I had friends with cable and they probably recorded it off HBO well what uh, what was interesting was that um, uh, Rucker Hauer had just made his way to Hollywood and uh, he he was um I don't uh, Let me see. I'll find this little bit here in this interview. He said um, he read this script, even though he was currently looking for a non-villainous role after having done Blade Runner. Um, he said it really got a hold of me. I thought if I do one more villain, I should do this. I couldn't refuse it. And that, that's a quote from Rutger Hauer. And uh, and he's and uh, 
and uh, one reservation Howard had was the scene where the girl is torn in half. But uh, one of the one of the producers said, "Well, if you're going to be a bad guy, you're going to be the baddest bad guy there ever was." <laughs> so they never show it. No, but no. your imagination fills in the blanks. Yeah, Gene Siskel claims he's, <coughs> they they show it, but they oh, don't. That proves that Siskel was an idiot. They do in the remake. Well, yeah. Um, having not seen this for twenty plus years, um, I remember him not. Although I remember that being very gory too, and it wasn't. Um, I remember after the family in the station wagons killed, mm. he walks up. I remember it being like an awful bloody scene in there. You just see some blood drip on his shoe. It's yes. kind of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the oh, people, yeah. you know. Oh my God, it was so gory. Your imagination fills in it's all like the blanks. You didn't really see her stuck on that spike. You just yeah. filled it in in your own, you know. Uh, and we and we all owe. Um, Alfred Hitchcock, a thank you for, uh, filling, you know, introducing that trick in 1960 with Psycho. Yeah. Because you believe you saw so much more than you saw. You saw nudity. You saw stabbing. You saw all this stuff in the shower scene, which was not shown. Yeah. And uh, even in Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino did that with the, you know, the adrenaline injection. Yeah. Yeah. All you see is the arm swing and Mia sit up with the syringe hanging out. Yeah. There's, you hear a whoomp, and that's it, uh, and the gasp. But uh, I should also, while I'm on this rant about uh, the casting, um, they considered for the role of Jim Halsey, Matthew Modine, Tom Cruise, and Emilio Estevez. So I'm glad it was C. Thomas Howell because he not only was a, a good young actor who you're you're watching him on screen and you believe he's feeling these emotions, especially fear. Yeah, he has to go through a lot of change. Well, you know why he felt the way he conveyed that so well? He was scared shitless of Rutger Hauer. <laughs> really? <laughs> he was legit scared of him. So uh, unbeknownst to Rutger Hauer, um, uh, Howell found, found him, quote, frightening, intimidating, and there was a constant state of fear, almost as if... He really was John Ryder, and I really was Jim Halsey. That's a quote from C. Thomas Howell. Um, so that's uh, that's a little background on this, and, and this is why the dynamics between these characters work so well, is because there was actual fear. And Rutger Hauer was embracing being, like, the most villainous villain. Yeah. So that, that's um, that's some stuff that I didn't know at the time. Why did it work so well? But... Uh, Jolene, what do you think of uh, Rutger Hauer's performance overall? Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, he, he's, they do these great close-ups because he can just change the, just a little tick in his eye and you know that, oh, at this point he's impatient with the guy or he's laughing at him inside or yep. whatever. It's such a good performance. Yeah, there's a couple parts where he's just kind of exasperated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, pick this up the first time you watched it, Will, that this was a front-to-back, like, flawless performance? Or did you see any cracks in this at all with Rutger Mm, Hauer? With Rutger Hauer? No, I don't believe so. I think it's a pretty good performance. Um, Rewatching it, I wondered if they didn't pick uh, cast cast, uh, uh, a—who was Nash again? Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Jason Lee. Lee. Yeah. yeah, and uh and Halsey with brown eyes to be 
different enough from Rutgerd Howard's mm. steely blue eyes. Oh yeah. You know, I, I just wondered if they didn't think of that because it, it really stood out to me rewatching it. It's like, wow, he's got really intense eyes. Yeah. It's really interesting how pale blue eyes can, can do something for the character. Like it's not even a physicality thing. It's a trait, I guess you could yeah. say, you know, I met, uh, this is, this is not anything other than just to say that this happened. Um, I met Jacob Dylan, uh, from the wallflowers, Bob, oh, okay, yeah. Bob Dylan's son. And I met him and, and, you know, said hello and shook his hand. And all I could think was, this guy's got the prettiest eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes these light-colored eyes, it, it really shows up on film really well, like with Rooker Howard. Yeah. Oh. But you see him in real life and it's not as striking. And it's not as, yeah. And what's uh, what's her name? Um, Megan, uh, Meg? Meg Tilly? Foster. Foster. Meg Foster, yeah. yeah. She has really intense eyes. She looks like... The blind uh, master from Kung Fu. Yeah, she looks like from from the beyond. Yes. <laughs> Maybe she is. Uh, so, um, yeah, the, the, uh, the kind of funny thing about the Hitcher is the kid almost dies on the road before he meets John Ryder. Yes. And it has that little ambiguity, a lot, a lot of these mythological road movies, has this ambiguity about what's the waking... What's what, dream? What's the dream state? Yeah. yeah so there's like, there's a, there's a two, maybe three points at which he might be, you think, oh, is he dreaming this bit? And yeah. Yeah. And it also has this uh, sort of dreamlike quality, and the, the trip seems to be repeating itself. Like he never gets anywhere. Yes. Like he's driving <laughs> into El Paso, but he never meets El Paso. Just these little gas stations. Yeah. And he just keeps going and going. And you think, well, there's a radio station. It must be pretty close, but he never gets there. So it feels very, <laughs> very isolated. Limbo. Yeah, kind of limbo. Not a real sort of isolation, but a sort of yeah, it's dreamy. Very, very mythic. Yeah. Now, when when uh, Jim Halsey picks up John Ryder, the hitcher, mm-hmm. um, right out of the gate, uh, he sidesteps all of the questions, mm-hmm. doesn't answer him straight on literally any part of it. And then I, I started thinking, you know, because he sidesteps questions, he acts inappropriately. Is he just testing to see if this guy is a worthy adversary or just another one he should murder? And I kind of started thinking, well, he's making this tension happen as a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's totally what. And and the dialogue, oh, the dialogue is so priceless. <laughs> so you need a gas station. Yeah. Gas stations have cigarettes. <laughs> How about gas? Oh, I don't I, need gas. I don't need gas. And, and I, <laughs> I have the quotes pulled up. Um but it's not like a, a back and forth repartee. It's like s- several seconds between each line, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's this. Yeah, there's this nice pause. This nice tension. It's, it's very much in a Western sort of m- mode of speaking. And the fact that it's set in West Texas and uh, yeah, just these, just flat expanses and yeah, and this plays into several myths. You know, it's the road movie, it's a horror movie, it's a thriller, <clears throat> it's a coming of age story. Right. It's it's a very American thing. Um, mm-hmm. It, like the, the relationship between men, um, the uh, you know the the limbo of the desert, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the, the, the Phantom Hitcher stories, uh, 
it's a you know it, it plays into a lot of that mythological stuff and 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 including the western where you have the idea of uh, someone who's tired of being the killer you know tired of being the the best gunslinger or whatever right wanting to die yeah and trying to find their nemesis yeah he and he straight up tells jim i want you to stop me mm-hmm. like he he says what he wants he couldn't state it more clearly without going into detail well you see jim what i mean by that is you know yeah he just flat out says, I want you to stop me. Um, that, that exchange, I have to say the funny thing about this one is, um, when, uh, when, uh, John Ryder starts laughing during that exchange and then he gets Jim kind of <laughs> chuckling with him. That's what the other guy said. What other guy? The guy back there, the one we just passed, the guy who picked me up before you did. That was him in there. Sure. It was. He couldn't have walked very far. <laughs> Why is that? Because I cut off his legs and his arms and his head, and I'm going to do the same thing to you. That is the first time I saw this. I was like, holy shit, this guy's like just spelling it right out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've read a couple things where people were saying it was a uh, it was a uh, gay panic of the eighties because of, it was in the age of AIDS, uh, being this mm-hmm. specter that no one really understood, but it was sort of ascribed to be, a, you know, a, a gay disease. And I think there's a, there's a bit of seduction going on. Oh yeah. And, uh, he, uh, you know, the first things he does to him, like when they get to the, um, roadworks is he, he touches him on the thigh and then, the, um, the, the, guy at the roadworks mistakes it yeah because he has a knife in his crotch but yeah. he thinks it's just his hand yeah he's like go carry on yeah. sweethearts or something, yeah, like, something that. like that yeah there's a couple of times where it's like there's obviously some seduction going on between it for from the hitcher to yeah the driver <laughs> uh, I, I felt this um i was trying to think of an earlier example but um, after this movie, you had other films where the psychopath is um, wanting to uh, cause some kind of coming of age or some kind of uh, self-realization to the hero. Mm. So Seven, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. They, they, pick, they pick on someone that they're going to change or make them see the world in yeah. how they want. Did did you feel like there was a homoerotic sort of yeah. uh, undertone to this? Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, it's not like the Hitcher's like call me daddy or anything like that, but he is kind of making, you know, he's making a daddy boy dynamic. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a specifically gay subtext. I think it's um, it's just hinted at though. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the broader. Uh, relationship between men um we're all men here we can talk about these things we've, sure we've chucked sure. the girl out of the treehouse yeah <laughs> um uh where uh the important thing is for how your the other men see you mm-hmm. and women are just currency like you pick up women and they have to look good to the other men yeah uh, you have to score with enough women yeah. so you can rack up points to say, oh, I've scored with these 
you know, such and such a number of women to the other men. It's your relationship is the most important thing to you is the other men you yeah. associate with. So in this movie, uh, this woman gets drawn into it and killed along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's yeah, she's so incidental to her, yeah to the story because uh, he's he's the the hitcher is is manipulating the story it's his his story yeah um so that she becomes she's just currency she's not she's interfering in the relationship between men ah yes that is interesting i hadn't really even considered it that way uh because she does threaten to you know bring jim halsey into a a, a place where he could uh win the battle without um having to do what the hitcher wants, which is to stop him. Yeah. You know, just get him caught and get away and prove his own innocence and be done with it and then win the girl. Um, well, you know, that didn't work out. <laughs> uh, what's interesting about this to me is that I feel like, you know, from what I've read in interviews and just watching Rutger Hauer, that he created as much of this character as the writers did uh, just in his performance and his choices. And the same thing happened. I can see that. Yeah. Cause <clears throat> as written, I'm sure he's, he's pretty vague. Yeah. And pretty scary, but you know, it's like, well, how do you do scary? You leave that up to the actors. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes you'll find that it's more frightening to have somebody like, you know, to go back to psycho and say, well, Anthony Perkins, uh, the fact that he's just a little, a little silly and naive in, in some scenes makes him that much scarier. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to read another quote from Rutger Hauer talking about being in Blade Runner, um, he says that uh, to me, the story was the script was and the book, you know, the Philip K. Dick book uh, were about the fight of man against artificial intelligence and all these things I found interesting. The film has its own truth. If anything at all, it's like a dream and all films are like dreams to me. So he's kind of operating inside of a, like a, 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 a space of dreams. Mm-hmm. And he knows that in a dream you can do anything. And I mm-hmm. think that's why he, he doesn't have limits Yeah, yeah. to his performances. But uh, he goes on to say that uh, the hitcher, um, you know, being, dismissed by critics as it was in 86 and didn't do well at the box office. He says, out of all the films I did, I never quite understood why I liked it so much. The Hitcher for me was another dance like Blade Runner. I felt like a haunting, it it felt like a haunting dust bowl in the desert. The games played were like a tap dance on a drum. I sort of created a little bit of a vague backstory for myself. There should be some sort of mad, strange magic to this guy who always shows up in weird places. He's like a ghost, I think. You can only do that with a film. In a book, it's harder. In a film, you can be a phantom. So yeah, he's got that that dream thing figured out. Yeah, yeah it struck me as, uh, uh, on this rewatch, it's very more dreamlike than I remember it being. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't remember him just showing up at places. Oh, at the worst possible, at the worst possible times. It always seemed like he, uh, that poor kid. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I remember him showing up at places, but it didn't seem so, uh, you know, on the nose at the exact wrong time he'd show up, you know? Yeah. This kid cannot catch a break. Yeah. (laughs) He reminded me of, um, like, uh, uh, 
there's a couple of Clint Eastwood westerns, uh, High Plains Drifter, mm-hmm. Pale Rider. It's this figure of death who's wearing a duster, turns up in the desert. Yeah. Uh, he's mythical. You know, he's got a, a, this name like John Ryder. Um, you know, he, he's not quite human. Yeah. He, he's bad news for everyone he meets. Yeah. And the worst thing that happens is he gets a four-wheel drive truck <laughs> oh. that can go anywhere and apparently can go real fast. Can go real fast, yeah. yeah. I, I admired how... Um, uh, there's this chase scene towards the end where there's this police cars and there's a helicopter. Uh-huh. And uh, it requires... Because uh, uh, this was like... In, you're getting into the late 80s, starting to get into the late 80s, and you have these ridiculous action movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy them. I'm not knocking them. Um, but anyway, he's so he's driving this four-wheel truck over a desert firing backwards and upwards and shooting down a helicopter with a pistol. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's not done like a Schwarzenegger ridiculous. Yeah. And because it's him, because it's Rook Howard, and because of the way it's edited, the angles they choose, it's convincing. It works. It does work. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't work in a realistic movie. No, no. This, you know, and that's part of the dreamlike quality of this because yeah at the end it is sort of ridiculous there that car is so shot up with shotgun pellets oh, it's, and yeah. yet none of them were hit with anything right. um he has the shotgun at the end and he's blasting at the truck and it's like why is he shooting the lights he's you know he's not gonna hit that kid yeah you know? and the, and how they like uh, he's he's chained up in the back of the the sheriff's wagon yeah. And all they show is him looking at the keys and the guy's being distracted. And then the next and moment, he's, he's, he's up and he's killing he's everyone. He's leaping out of the it's back a, with a shotgun. Yeah. But they're, they're very wise to just cut from that to that. And, it's uh, like Silence of the Lambs. How did yes. Lecter get that pen? He just looks at it. And <laughs> right. the next time he has it, how do you get it? They never tell you. And that <clears throat> is good directing. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to take us through all the steps. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, of the dreamlike quality of this movie, uh, the part where Jim Halsey finally gets arrested and put in a cell and you think, oh, what's going to happen next? Of course, he's going to wake out of a, you know, little flashes of a dream of the hitcher on the road um, and uh, just wakes up and is a little groggy and the cell doors open. Yes. He heard a couple of booms that in his dream, but turns out those were probably gunshots. Right. Walks out to the police station. They're all dead, except for the dog who's right. licking the blood <laughs> off of the slashed throat. Yeah, I'm uh, looking looking for because they're they're restoring it. The the 4K restoration is yeah. going to come out later this year. I'm I'm really looking forward to that because uh, you know the one we saw is like mostly cropped. Yeah, and it's like very uh, blurry sometimes. I want to read that graffiti in that cell because oh yes, something, yes. something looked French. Yeah, um, it did. I found that, uh, and I lost it. But it it was, yeah, it was a specific, it was a specific thing. I don't think I kept that note. I think I lost that note. But yeah, you can find that. You can find that. Someone has written about that. Okay. Um, I can read it myself once the clear one comes out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you had mention of the aspect ratio changing, but I don't think that was a... You think that was a style choice? I think that was a style choice because it did it only for the opening credits and the end. Hmm. It never changed during the movie. It was all... That that was like standard for like uh, video 
they'd like show the credits yeah in the full aspect and then they then they crop it off for the rest of the movie so that yeah that because this looked like video to me for several scenes uh, you see like the comets you get on Uh. tape and it, it might be like one of those um they they've cobbled it together from various things, but mm-hmm. and they've found good elements now. Yeah, the restoration. But the, yeah, this one we watched on HBO is it looked like video to me because like some of the um, the frame rates looked off. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes like especially when uh, the exteriors when he's walking into the gas station, the first gas station they come mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. It looked too fast. And there's one where he's kind of walking through the sagebrush that looked weird to me. Yeah, I think that was after he escaped the jail. Um, now as the movie goes along, I know that we're kind of, you know, our, our sensibilities, our, our, our rational minds are challenged a bunch during this movie, but there's something about it. And I can't really quite articulate this, but there's something about it that just your, your mind is willing to just let that go. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that totally yeah, could. You know, we, we've all grown up watching Hitchcock and stuff. Well, sure. Yeah. People putting these situations where they're the wrong person yeah in the wrong place and for whatever reason you know my mind just excuses all of it and just goes down the line with the story everything's great um i was i was not surprised by anything that jim halsey did except for the part where he doesn't believe they're going to hold john Ryder. they've they've arrested him Mm-hmm. They got him. He knows better. Yeah, suddenly it's very Friday the 13th, isn't it? Yes, it is. And he carjacks Captain Estridge, who is so far his only ally that's really stuck that didn't get murdered yet. Yes. <laughs> who, for listeners who enjoy the the, uh, the Walking Dead, that's the guy who played Dale in The Walking Dead. And I think... Uh... Uh, Jeffrey DeMunn. Deep Space Nine fans will recognize the yeah. interrogator. Oh, the Ferengi interrogator. <laughs> I, made, I made a note about Armin that. Armin Yeah. Is the yes. first sheriff the guy who plays the old Flash on the Flash series? He looks mm, similar. I don't know. I, I haven't sure. seen the Flash series, but uh, that was Armin Shermerin. Yeah. Quark. Yeah. 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 He, he asks him, where, you, where are you from? And he says, Disneyland. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's not he, he's not going to put up with any of their nonsense. He's he's too he's too smart for that. Um the finale. Okay, so the, all all of this incredible stuff happens. Oh, should we talk about the spitting scene? Oh, Chris. Um yeah. okay. Uh, another thing I kind of want to um hear the quotes. Um uh, let me see if I have this here. Uh I think you know which one I'm thinking of here. Um, let's see. Well, I'll, I'll just say it's Captain Estridge, and he says, uh, let's see if I can find this quote, because it's pretty, okay. He's alone with Jim in the police car, mm-hmm. and he says, there is something strange going on between the two of you. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. And so that's that's the other thing that's kind of like the the people hinting at oh there's a gay panic to this movie or a, a homoerotic mm. subtext. Well, the characters themselves are saying so. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, hey, if spitting is your kink, I, I'm uh, I'm okay with that. But uh, <laughs> John Ryder seems to 
<laughs> kind of like getting spit on by the kid. <laughs> Just the, I mean, they, they cut it in such a way to where you think you saw him actually spit on him, but obviously, you know, they didn't have to do that in the movie. You know, there was, he leans forward, you see the spit hit the face. It's not really a spit, but, uh, and then John Ryder just kind of caresses it and smells it and touches it. Well, having seen his Verhoeven movies, you know that <laughs> Rugger is up for anything. Yeah. Uh, Paul Verhoeven apparently is up for anything. Yes. Anytime. Yeah. So, yeah, they were a good team. <laughs> yeah. A couple of Dutchmen doing Dutch stuff that, yep. we, do, that we don't yep. understand. So Without shame. Yes. Without shame. Yeah. With shameless yeah. people. You know... Let's yeah, let's let's quit buying into shame so much. Let's all just be a little more shameless. Um yeah, but the kid is all cleaned up and you know, he spits on the hitcher and and he, you know, he he knows what's next. He knows this guy's going to get loose. And he's not interested in going back home or getting on to San Diego mm-hmm. with good luck explaining the car's condition. Yeah. Did you spend the whole movie worrying about this poor kid with that car? Once he got the bumper taken off by the boss, I was like, oh, that's yeah. a bad job. Yeah. You're not getting paid for your drive away. And when he comes screaming <clears throat> out of like, it's like the car in, in Christine coming, coming out yes. of the garage. Oh, yeah, like, that's right. He's all on fire. Oh, man. <laughs> this, yeah. This kid. <laughs> what do you do to it? Oh, that'll all buff out. Well, that's a long story. <laughs> it's a long story. You're not going to believe this. Um, but what do you think of the finale after we get to the, the transport scene? And like you said, he gets, sees the keys. Poof, there's an escape. Uh, did you think it was going to go there the first time you saw this? No, I didn't think he'd jump out. You know, they... I mean, they set it up. You know he's getting out. Yeah. That's yeah. obvious. But I didn't think he'd jump out of the back and through the windshield. Yeah. And they give him that roar as well. Yeah. There's this little subliminal this monster roar. Yeah. I do you have to say that the windshield bothered me after that? Yeah. It was clearly a piece of plexiglass cut with a jigsaw <laughs> to look like a broken piece. Uh, I don't know why it stuck out to me this time, but... <laughs> Well, it was one of those things. Was like, oh, I never would have noticed that on VHS, but it, the reflection on the plexiglass clearly plastic, and yeah. then you just kind of work backwards, like, oh, I bet they cut that shape out because it's yeah. almost kind of cartoony the way it's broken <laughs> through. How a shape? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere that he chipped his tooth doing that stunt. Ooh, yeah, and, I heard he did a bunch of the stunt driving. Yeah, I heard that too. That's kind of crazy. Like most these days, most actors aren't allowed to. Yeah, and most of them couldn't be bothered to. But Rutger Hauer's like, yeah, give me the keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Barry, what's his name? Uh, Vanishing Point, which is another mythical road movie. Yeah, I love it. But he, That's yeah, he did his own one. driving, like uh, uh, when he was in that Steven Soderbergh movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was. You know, the stuntmen couldn't pull off what they needed done. And he said, oh, give me the keys. Give me the keys. I'll do it. <laughs> Can't be done, huh? Yeah, if you like this movie, uh, yeah, you've got to see Vanishing Point. Duel. Uh, Duel is the big Duel. one. Yeah. There, there were people who insulted this by saying, oh, they just ripped off Duel. But no, it's a totally different kind of movie. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Dennis Weaver, that was, what's, 1971, wasn't it? 
Yes. Um, Steven Spielberg TV yep. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. made for TV movie with Dennis Weaver. Richard Matheson script. Although I don't yeah. admit, I don't believe it was originally a meant to be a TV movie. No? I think that it was originally shot to be a cinematic, a cinematic film huh. that then got uh, kind of held back and then released on TV. I think that's what I heard is the story hmm. behind Duel. Um, but anyway, great movie. Otherwise, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's even a, if it is a TV movie, it's fantastic. It's great, yeah, so tight. Yeah. yeah, just a dude with a mustache driving his Valiant cross country, and uh, all of a sudden has a little tangle with a crazy trucker, a phantom truck, yeah, a ghost truck. You just see his arm. Yeah, ghost truck. Yeah, yeah, it's like Phantom Three Hundred Nine. Phantom Three Hundred Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Tell him Large Marge sent you. <laughs> I think so many people that saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure had no reference to, you know, no frame of reference to Phantom 309. Mm, red, that, red Sobeen. Yeah. What was so? How, how do you pronounce his name? Sovine. Sovine. Yeah. Well, that's how Tom Waits says it when he does the cover of it. All right. I'll trust him. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone wants to hear a little remake of that, uh, Tom Waits did a good cover of it. So, um... So uh, the the very ending scene, uh, what did you guys mm-hmm. think? It's good. Yeah, it's great. It comes to you know what's been set up at the start, and yeah. and then it ends. Yeah, no messing. Yeah, you get this great horizon. You got the two guys, and uh, the kid. The kid seems to think, well, that's it. He's dead. And then all of a sudden, he just picks up the uh, the shackles and chucks them at the kid. Well, does he think he's dead? He kind of turns around. Because he knows that he's going to get up. That's what I feel. Ah, he, that's a good he, point. He knows that this guy wants to be killed. Yeah. And he kind of, at this point, he knows that, all right, I'm going to turn around, let him do his thing, do his get up, and then I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And he really... I think, I think he knows when he's lying down. Yeah, he lets him have it. I got to give Rucker Howard even more props for his acting because when he's face down in the dust, mm. he's breathing through that dust. It's in his eyes. He doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, then they just roll credits. Yep. It's like, you don't need to know more. You don't need to know what happens when he gets that car to San, <laughs> when he gets the car to San Diego. Oh, although I kind of <laughs> wish that was... <laughs> He pulls up and there's some guy like, what the fuck did he do in my car? He opens the door and falls off. <laughs> Hands him the keys. Yeah. Oh boy, long story, yeah. Yeah, who, who's the quiet guy in the passenger seat? <laughs> long story. Yeah. Uh, so, um, recommendations. Do you recommend this? Yep. Yeah. Do you and think ch- also check out Road Games, which is another Hitchcockian okay. road movie from the eighties? Um, can we? And I'd recommend The Hitchhiker from nineteen forty oh, yeah. whatever, forty seven, forty eight. Yeah, yeah I'd Lupino movie. I'd a Lupino movie that I really think you know influenced this yes. movie. Yes, it's a couple guys go fishing and they pick up a hitchhiker. It turns mm-hmm. out to be uh, the worst person you could pick. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's bad. He's oh, a bad God. dude. It's a good movie, so check that one out. Oh, it's so good. Um, is there any arguing that this is not a horror movie? It's I mean, a it's a lot of things. It's yeah. a lot, yeah. One of it, one it of could which, be a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a horror movie. Yeah, I I would agree. It's 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 more than one thing, but one of which is a horror movie. Yeah. Um, it is a, you know, it is a a road movie. It is a, you know, an action movie. 
it's a psychological thriller if you want to use that title you know that moniker for it but yeah amongst those things it is also a horror movie which um you know that's how i always saw it was uh it's a different kind of horror movie um have either one of you hitchhiked no i wouldn't no well i know but i dated a girl who hitchhiked across the u.s at one point damn just her and her dog and how did that go for her it went fine because uh, she had a big Doberman with her, <laughs> who was the sweetest dog you ever met, but looked like she'd hand you your face if you. Yeah, talk about the beyond. Her. Yeah, see her standing by the road with this massive Doberman. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, but yeah, I was always amazed at, uh, at people who hitchhiked. Yeah, John Waters did it not uh, not, not too long, long ago. ago yeah, yeah, before COVID, did he, a whole book about it. Yeah, from here, from Maryland to. Colorado or somewhere that would be Wyoming. second that would be second only to I mean if you're driving and you pick up a hitchhiker and it's John Waters yeah that would I'd be still for him that would be second <laughs> only to getting a knock on the door it's the Jehovah's Witnesses and it's Prince <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you you saw Rutger Hauer hitchhiking <laughs> like do I pick him up uh, sure oh man they should have remade this with John Waters and the hitcher role <laughs> well I have been a hitcher a lot really? oh have you a lot now and, and i'll give you guys a little backstory when i was living in northern idaho uh i was taking a couple of years off of uh school because i had finished high school wasn't going to college yet and uh i lived 10 miles out of the small town where my job was mm-hmm. so i would walk out to the road stick my thumb out catch a ride i got to work on time every time I a mean, lot of people do that in little towns i had a friend who she graduated high school a semester early, mm-hmm. so she had like most of the winter, spring semester out at her house. Um, if she wanted to go to town, she didn't have a car. She had to hitchhike, so yeah, she did walk out to the road and hitchhike, and it was hmm. yeah. an acceptable way to get around. Yeah, it was not a problem for me. In fact, I worked up on a, a ski mountain and I was even able to to hitch to where the access road was and then hitch up the access road to that job too. And uh, I, I got to say, there were only a couple of scary moments. One of them was a drunk driver and I lied about where I was getting out. I got, mm-hmm. I got out in the middle of nowhere because I was like, thanks, I'll crawl home and get there alive rather than this <laughs> yeah. dude's like, he's touching this ditch and then that ditch. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, see you later. Okay. Um, the most interesting one, and this one didn't scare me, but it was interesting. I was hitchhiking to my restaurant job, just walked out to the road, stuck my thumb out. And um, if you're familiar with uh, the early 70s muscle cars, this dude rolls up in a Dodge Demon which mm-hmm. I believe had a 318 in it. So it's a rumbling engine. This guy mm-hmm. rolls up. Boom, 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 boom. It's got the little decal on the side that says demon and the M on demon is, it's a cartoon devil and the, and it's a pitchfork mm-hmm. is the M, right? It's got that emblem right there on the fender. And I'm like, all right, cool, a ride, you know, and I'm just, you know, do, 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 do. I jump in <laughs> and close the door and I look over and the driver is uh, the devil <laughs> and let me course. describe what what the the, the classic uh, you know TV devil would look like to uh, the situation. He's got um, Levi's that are cuffed at the ankle, motorcycle boots, 
white t-shirt and I shit you not, a pack of smokes rolled up in the sleeve of the shirt. Oh, classic Stephen nice. King. He's got <laughs> short hair and a defined widow's peak. Uh. He's got a filterless cigarette, I assume a camel, hanging out of his mouth. He's got one elbow on the window and the other arm extended and just resting on the steering wheel. And I'm like, thanks for picking me up. And he just kind of nods and grunts and just hits the accelerator. We're on the road and we're just hauling down the road. He's not especially speeding, but he is not going slow. And here's how he ashes his cigarette, leans over toward the window and goes, and just kind of blows his breath and knocks the ash out the window. Doesn't reach up and take it and flick it or anything. And I'm trying to make small talk and this guy's not saying shit. And I'm thinking, oh, I caught a ride with Satan. This guy's literally the devil. And, uh, I get where I'm going and I'm like, yeah, right up here, you know, this light or the next one's fine. And he's like, all right, have a nice day. That's it. I get out. So I immediately tell my older brother, Bill, about this whole story. And he goes, oh, that was, uh, it was either Art or Al Krebs. <laughs> he knows exactly who I'm talking about. He's like, oh yeah, Dodge Demon. Yeah, that's Art Krebs. Or, yeah. And it turns out that the, the uh, son of uh, one of the guys was a classmate of mine. Oh, the other guy was the uncle and I caught a ride with the uncle. So I can't remember which one, you know, the names, but it was either art or Al. And I, and I feel okay naming names because I mean, who's going to hear this? We've got a couple listeners who've lived up there, I'm sure. But, um, the real, uh, interesting part of the story is that, uh, how I met, uh, the, the classmate Rex Krebs, was uh, gotten a, almost a scrap with him at the county fair when uh, a friend and I were like seventh or eighth grade and we're just walking around the fair and this kid walks up and wants to start a fight with me. And I was like, who's this guy? I've never met him. Why does he want to fight me? But I'm, I'm ready to like throw down cause he's coming at me yeah. and some adults got in and pushed him back and you know, pushed me back and stopped the thing. And he's dancing around like he's going to do something. And then I met him in a class later like a math class like a year or two later because he had been held back or got sent to reform school or something turns out he's a really troubled kid um flash forward he's a serial killer really Uh, yeah uh if you look him up rex krebs with a k uh he was uh killing women in um, san luis obispo california he'd pretend that his vehicle was disabled it was a pickup truck and uh you know, he'd wave a college student over to, you know, can you hold this while I do this or something, you know, with the hood up in the car, he knock them out, take them, rape them and kill them. Wow. So that's kind of a real crazy, like the real devil in that family wasn't the uncle with, yeah. the, with the demon. It was as far as you know, eh, maybe uh, got it uh, from somewhere. Had you seen the hitcher before you hitchhiked? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I had seen it yet. This may have been in 85 when I was, when I met Satan. <laughs> I'd ride with Satan himself. Um, I caught a ride with a, uh, with a, uh, priest a couple of times. Nice. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other good ones, but, uh, there, were, um, yeah, the drunk driver, uh, oh God, there's, there's probably a lot of stories in there. I mean, you know, I've, I've told you before about the young woman who got, uh, 
spanked, yeah. spanked by the guy. That was creepy. That's super creepy. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled over on some side road. That's somewhere. A, that's a story that you tell people that story and they look at you like, oh fuck, I don't want to hear this story. <laughs> Apparently, that's the, as far as it went. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the only reason you tell the story because you get to the end and you're like, she got spanked with a flip flop, told not to hitchhike. Yeah. Good lesson. I guess. <laughs> it's like, did hmm. she hitchhike after that? I'm sure she did. Yeah, because it's a small town. How do you get around? Yeah, yeah. There's no mass transit, so. Right, especially if there's a, uh, you know, there's several small towns, and if somebody's from another one, but they're kind of yeah. lately hanging out in this other one, and then, you know, you've got all these points outside of all of these towns that you got to get to and from. So, there, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any liability to me saying those people's names earlier. Cause, Probably not. You know, it's not like he's going to come after us. I hope not. <laughs> I heard him on a podcast. Yeah. Didn't we learn that in Halloween 2.3? Not to not to be a podcaster that fucks around with killers? Yeah, I think we did learn that. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, is it kind of like an airplane? If you take a bomb on board, the chances there's another bomb on board, pretty astronomical. So if you <laughs> hitchhike with the intent to kill your driver... They probably won't kill you because what's the chance two serial killers meeting at once? That's a good point. Oh, I was going to say something. You mentioned something earlier. We'll go back to Halloween Kills for a minute. You mentioned something about rough edges. Um, I think I watching Halloween Kills, I realized that I've lived in the city too long because at the beginning, the kid comes across a cop who's laying in the street and he starts yelling at him, Hey, mister, are you Okay. I'm like, I wouldn't even bother. I just keep walking. I'd be like, there's a dude passed out on the street over there. Good for him. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Because I have seen too many people pass down on the streets in Denver to really care. You're like, Uh, if I had to help every one of them, I'm not going to get anywhere. (laughs) I like like it was was a small town, but it was is fairly diverse and they also have uh, a gay couple running the real estate around town and they've even got their own bench with a like one of those adverts along the bench yeah which is immaculate no one's touched it yeah no graffiti on so it. it's, no it's graffiti. a nice small town it's a beautiful small apart town from the killings and the idiots who will push you down the stairs <laughs> screaming evil must die tonight while they force danny devito to jump out a window and hit the street yeah and become a big pile of goo <sighs> yeah. Anyway, The Hitcher. Yeah, good. The Hitcher. Good, good movie. <laughs> Recommend it? Oh, absolutely. Halloween Kills, yeah. not so much. May, yeah, maybe give it another look. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's some nuances. Some nuance. <laughs> I'll I'll rewatch it, okay? Yeah, when, when they finish this trilogy, we might do another look at it. Yeah. yeah. It's like maybe in the third round, they'll redeem everything. It'll oh. all tie together. <laughs> that would be brilliant, but I don't think it's going to happen. I've got this thing running in the back of my mind. Were there any other really crazy rides when I was hitchhiking? It was mostly mundane. I learned really, really early to, uh, yeah, that there were people out there that you didn't want to, yeah, you stay away from strangers. But, uh, yeah. But also my where I, the town I grew up in, the hill, uh, Bluebell Hill, had the famous phantom hitchhiker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, story connected to it for decades. And I, I could, like, go outside my house and see that hill. Yeah, oh, that's, that's so that's great. Kinda, 
That's what are okay. What are the odds that two of us grew up where there were famous phantom hitchhikers? Because right. Resurrection Mary was from, I mean, there's loads. Chicago, yeah, there's loads. Well, but like Resurrection Mary is really famous. But it, it, as far as the UK is concerned, the Bluebell Hill, yeah, one Bluebell Hill is the first famous one. one. Yeah, we're to, we're talking about um, probably the two most famous hitchhiking ghosts. And when I say that where I lived was near this, I mean it was right there. Uh, Did you ever see her? Nope. I talked to uh, a guy who um, uh, sadly is no longer with us. His nickname was Possum, who was like, oh, you wouldn't believe this. I'm driving down Archer Avenue and uh, and I see all this smog, like this fog rolling. And I see all these bright lights and this woman in a white dress hitchhiking. And then I see the guy with the camera. <laughs> so mm. someone was filming it oh. right outside the, you know, the gate, uh, yeah. the, the fence, the whatever you want to call it. The Probably unsolved gates. mysteries. You, very possibly. I remember that's probably where I first saw that. Well, I probably read about it first, but yeah, I remember that was an early unsolved mysteries. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say, uh, as far as uh, crazy hitchhiking rides, uh, I'll think about it. And if I come up with any more, I'll talk about it next time. But I think that nothing is going to top the devil. <laughs> that, wow, man, that was something. Yeah. Well, should we call it a show? Sure. I think so. What are we going to do for next time? Uh, I about doing Cherry Falls. Cherry yes, Falls. yes, let's do that. Okay, so Julian, that's your pick? Yeah. All right. And it's on Shutter, I believe, yes. if anyone wants to watch I, it. I have not seen it. But not seen it, it sounds no. like a Same. slasher with a with slightly a different premise to the usual cool yeah cool. that he's uh, only killing virgins and yes. not promiscuous people which i always thought was you know why don't you switch it up there you go let's subvert the norm here only only the kids who are doing it and doing drugs are gonna live all the other all the goody kids are gonna die yeah well we don't need those uptight little <laughs> bastards around anyway <laughs> All right. Well, serves them right for hitchhiking. Right. You know what they need? A good ass spanking with a flip flop. (laughs) (laughs) That'll teach them. Mm. All right, listeners. Thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. Don't hitchhike.